0: So good afternoon, and uh, thank you for joining us, uh, everyone, for another segment in the Jane Irrigation Training Series. And uh, I'm really excited about today's uh, topic, and that is critical success factors for landscape contractors. And I'll tell you what, you know, I, I said this, uh, and I learned this, you know, a few years ago, and it was the saying, "You haven't lived until you've uh, spent a summer as a uh, landscape maintenance contractor." It's a a tough business. You know, you've got uh, different things coming at you uh, in different ways uh, every day. And um, it's different than a lot of businesses face. It's definitely unique. It takes a special person and a special skill set. And when uh, you are successful, uh, there's a lot of reward for it. And there are certain people out there that have been successful, and uh, there's others that just get along and are trying to learn. Uh, and that's the other thing I really like about the contracting business is that uh, contractors are very willing to uh, help each other. And uh, and so that's why I'm so excited to have Don Winsett today from uh, Davy Expert uh, Tree Company uh, with us. Uh, you know, I've known Don for a long time. In fact, uh, Don, I don't know if you remember this or not, but uh, the first time we met, I was doing a uh, sales logic training for Valleycrest and you were in the class. I'm thinking, why is this guy in my class? I should be in his <laughs> class. I, I should be learning from him. And uh, so certainly Don's been in the industry for 30 years now. Uh, And he's worked for uh, great companies like uh, Brickman and Valleycrest. And and recently, uh, Don is the vice president of national business development for the Davy Tree Expert Company. Um, And uh, he's been there uh, a while now, and he's really been helping Navy, but other people too uh, in this industry. So today we get the opportunity to uh, ask Don questions about his experience and more importantly, just uh, learn uh, quite a bit about what he's learned over the three years of uh, some really great uh, uh, experience. So Don, welcome to uh, uh, this uh, segment today. Thanks for joining well, us.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited about um, about this. I'm uh, and you know me, Rich, and you know that I love to give back. I like to talk to people. I, I feel like that, you know, I've been very privileged uh, and very fortunate in my life to have people that help me, so if I can help other people, it makes me feel good, and that's something that's extremely important to me, Is and you'll see with some of the things I've done in the past that have been, and I've been rewarded with that by, by good opportunities and good business, and I think that's where it works out, so, so thank you for this opportunity.
0: Yeah, no, I know that I do know that about you, and I know that about your company now too, the Davy Company. Uh, what a what a great job uh, they they have done in. Uh, expanding uh, help to the communities and uh, and workers so uh, it's gonna be exciting to hear about plus uh, I know you've done some great things uh, to support trees in Florida as well so uh, anyway um, you know one thing I think is going to be really interesting to everybody out there Don is to learn you know how how did you get in this green industry 30 years ago was it by design or you know (laughs) what, what happened there
1: no, it was really more of just by, uh, not really accident, nothing is really an accident, but it just sort of happened. Uh, when I first moved down to Florida, I started a janitorial business because I was an entrepreneur. I wanted to do some things and started a janitorial business. And, and with that came along as, a, as I was taking care of buildings and I was taking care of condos and other places, you know, they started asking me, can you do our landscaping as well? And I said, why not? You know, you're, of course one can do that, you know, going to say no so the next thing i know i'm doing landscaping as well and so between the two businesses um, we were doing quite well and i I did that for a long time and then one of the uh one of my largest accounts in fort lauderdale because i live in fort lauderdale happened to be a christian institution of church and school and we were taking care of them. And uh, they um, had a big group of membership and they had talked to me about maybe running for uh, city commission. And I had never thought about that, but I figured, you know, uh, why not? Let's give it a try. You know, they're, they're willing to help and support me. So that was a great opportunity. So one of the things I wanted to say to people is that don't be afraid to try something. I mean, I had no, I had no idea about running for commission, but I just felt like I loved my city. I felt like I could help. And when you get some people that said, hey, you think you would be good at it, you do it. So I did that, but I met thousands of people. And one person in particular that I met was a gentleman by the name of Terry Stiles. And Terry Stiles was a a developer, here in Fort Lauderdale, and he had a construction company. But not only did he have a construction company, but he also had a landscape company that took care of his properties and also took care of other properties. So after the commission race, which I didn't win, because I wasn't, you know, I didn't expect to win, but it was a lot of fun. They came to me and said, hey, how would you like to be part of the Styles family? And we need a president of our Styles landscape. <clears throat> and I just said, that would be great. I had been in the janitorial business for a while in the landscape business, and I decided to sell that to my uncle, which was helping me at the time. And I went off and went to work for Styles. Well, when I went to work for Styles, it was a uh, it was a significant company at that time. That was back in two thousand and three, uh, and they were doing about eight million dollars. Uh, but they were definitely on a, on a trajectory down. They were losing some business. They weren't having good responses. And and that was really bothersome to Terry because Terry felt like that his name was all over his trucks and he wanted good good work to be represented by the name. So he said to me, he said, Don, let's just see what you can do with this. And uh, just remember my name's on the trucks and let's see what we can do. So in four years, I took it from 8 million to 20 million. (laughs) And uh, we had quite a bit of success and it turned out to be really well. And then at that time we decided, well, we might want to do something with this company because it was they weren't really a landscape company they were a development company they were builders and they just said you know we 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 might want to do something because you're 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 getting pretty big and i think this is an opportunity for the employees so we ended up selling it to Bit- brickman i met scott brickman at the uh at the uh, landscape show and uh, we had a conversation and um next thing i know i'm on a phone call with him and the next thing i know uh, i'm working for brickman and that's kind of how it started and um, I worked for them for a while and then came to Valley Crest, and then Davies where I ended up.
0: Yeah. So that one thing you just said um, that's so interesting to me and so true about the industry is many owners have their name on the truck. Right. Right. And this industry is so full of reputation. They uh, they really have to be aware of that. Right. Because uh, that, that, that's how you're known. That's um, a reputation. You can't spend enough marketing dollars to overcome a bad reputation, um, you know, what about that, Don? What, what, what can guys do, you know, to kind of really help their reputations?
1: Well, I just think that always, you know, one of the things that was stressed to me at Styles and really has stuck with me was always keep the trucks clean you know always have a really nice appearance you know when you pull up on a job and you look professional people think of you as professional right off the bat um just a real quick story terry was very well known in the in the fort lauderdale miami and, and west palm beach area was was kind of an icon and he was going to speak at one of the major hotels and we actually took care of that hotel And it was during storm season, and they had had a storm there a few weeks before his talk. And this was a pretty significant talk for BOMA. And so uh, we had our trucks down there the day that he was speaking, and we were cleaning it up. And I get a phone call from Terry. He says, Don, I just want to tell you, the place looks fantastic. The The job you guys are doing is just great. But he says, I'm getting ready to go speak, and those trucks are dirty. He says, I want you to take those trucks, get them washed, and bring them back. So that's how important it was for him to have that image that we were professionals. And uh, that's something I never forgot. And that was a great lesson for me was to always have professional looking people and trucks on the site.
0: Yeah. It's all part of your branding, right? It all counts. Yes. So uh, 8 million to 20 million in four years, that's significant right? That's a lot more employees. That's yes. a lot more business. That's finding a business and, and more importantly, keeping the business, right? Sometimes yes, it's, exactly. sometimes you, you find the business, but it's, it's leaving out the back door too. And right. that's a challenge to a lot of contractors. But um, right. so, so uh, Don, what are some things that you did, you know, in that time period that were uh, different or unique that uh, helped you grow at that rate in such a short period of time? Well, there
1: was a couple of things. One was, you know, I went and visited all my major customers and wanted to find out how we were producing, how we were serving them. What, what could we do better? And my first week on the job, I got a, 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 a letter that they wanted to discontinue service at one of the major resorts in, in North Miami. And that was devastating. We were already suffering a little bit, but to get that letter my first week on the job. So I went and visited them. And what had happened was that we had had a storm. We hadn't been able to get there quick enough to be able to recover. But when we did, we did a really good job, but they needed some landscaping done. And so we were just so busy with storm recovery. We weren't listening to what the customer needed. And this was a resort that needed to be up and running. And there was still people coming into town. So, I was able to give my uh, one of my um, one of my foremen the responsibility to say "What did this customer need and he put together a plan for them, and it was over two hundred thousand dollars worth of enhancements and Here they are wanting to cancel us, and we 're submitting them a proposal for two hundred thousand dollars and they said, "This is great. this is what we were looking for, but we can 't do this right now we don 't have two hundred thousand dollars; we just spent a ton of money on on the damage control. So I was able to sit there and work out a payment system with them that we were going to get an extended contract. So I was able to extend the contract, do the install for them and lay that out over payments. But I listened to what the customer was going and we kept that customer the whole time I was there. So it just was listening to what they were wanting, giving my employee the right, the the ability to be able to put a plan together and not being afraid to go there and explain it to the customer, but also helping them and being a real true strategic partner. That was probably the first thing that turned the corner for me uh, as far as like, and then everybody took a deep breath and they said, we can do this. And that's how we were able to do that.
0: Yeah, I love that story, Don, especially because I always think of it's, easy to be somebody's partner when things are going well right. right but uh i'm here to be your partner in good times and bad and that means when you have some damage and we need to spread some terms out or whatever i'm thinking in those terms as well and uh and i can help you out i i just i just really like that story um so uh flexibility listening to customers anything else you want to mention that. Well, I- Two things
1: probably, you give your employees the ability to make decisions on the spot um i think you know we we've learned that from ritz carlton as an example i think all the ritz carlton employees and a lot of managers at that level can make a moment uh decision to be able to do something right then and there and they don't have to go and say i've got to ask my supervisor so if you put these people in positions to be able to make these decisions you should be able to give them the authority to go ahead and make that decision and move on it could be a plant that just needs to be replaced we were able to do that at another resort to where the uh the, the, the general manager wanted first impression. So he wanted when you drove up to that resort that your mind went to relaxation. You were in a resort. He wanted it pristine right when he drove up. And if there was a plant that was out of place or whatever, he wanted it replaced. So what we did is we gave that account manager the ability that when he got there in the morning, because These people, people walk on plants, people break things, people don't take care of material, that when he got there in the morning, if something needed to be replaced, he had the authority to go and do it up to a certain limit, and that was all pre-approved and all done. So there was no decision, there was no time that was wasted, he went and did that right away and took care of it. So when that general manager pulled in at 8.30, 9 o'clock, he never knew that there was something that might have been damaged. It was taken care of, and that's what he wanted. So that, that giving the authority to employees to make the decision. And I think the other thing that was a big difference to me was that We had a major proposal with one of the cities here, and there's multiple cities in Fort Lauderdale, and it was actually the city of Sunrise, and it was a multi-million dollar proposal. And we had had this account for years and years and years. They put it back out the bid, and as you know, municipalities always go out the bid, and it's usually lower bid. But when you're the incumbent, you have a little bit of a better hand. Well, apparently, before I got there, we had submitted a proposal, uh, and it had no backing. It had no support in it at all it was amateurish done there was little sticky to where you would turn the page so I walked in and we lost the bid and I said you know why did we lose this and he said look at this and I see a stack of really professional proposals and I see ours he said that makes me think you don't care about this account that you think you already had it that again taught me a major lesson that never take for granted anything and you always need to be professional and always know and always think that you could lose that account. So changing that thinking and being more professional really brought everybody up and it just it turned it around. It took a while. It took about a year. We did some suffering for that year but after that year it really took off. The employees got excited about it they wanted to tell their friends, so we were able to always have people that, that came in and wanted to work for us, and we got a lot of account. I would say that I, I went on, I think I solicited one customer during that three years. The rest of it was word of mouth.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's that saying, right? The way you do one thing is the way you do everything, and uh, as much as that irritates me to hear, because it's usually pointing out, it's being pointed out to me when I'm doing something uh, kind of, yeah, lazy, right. right. right? I, I really do believe it, right. And this right. is true with our customers too. You mentioned right. be having the trucks clean, the uniforms, good proposals. It's all right. part of the image of your company, and this is what the customers taking in. And yeah. man, the customers are looking for any excuse to say no and go, you know, with somebody else. Sometimes they are, right provide that for them exactly so knowing and listening to them
1: listening as we talked about that before that we have two ears and one mouth we need to listen more and let them tell us what we want don't think about how smart i am and how much i can educate them listen to them and go to where their pain point is and then you that's where i'm going to go after and that's where i'm going to help them so that's where it's been successful for me is to listen Yeah, And that's the big, not only to your employees, but also to the customer.
0: Yeah, the uh, former uh, CEO of ET Water, Pat McIntyre, always used to say, two ears, one mouth, listen more. I hope he's listening today. (laughs) 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 So uh, listen, you know, the landscape industry is uh, is unique. Uh, Contractors are facing uh, uh, unique challenges uh, to their business that's different than if they own some other type of business. what are some of those unique challenges, and what are some ways that uh, uh, contractors can deal with this?
1: Well, I think you know two of the biggest things right now that are affecting us. Uh, obviously, COVID. You know, and but that's not. Um, you know, hopefully that won't be a long term, but it is something that we all have to work with. And I think you know, a lot of people have done really good things with the, you know, the distancing and and the, and the mask and those type of things. But the other two things. And that's gonna be here for a while, I know that. But I think the other two things that seem to be very dominant in, in affecting our industry is weather and also pests and diseases. And I think weather is being created because of global warming or climate change and however you wanna call it, that is definitely taking effect. And we need to be able to be aware of the environment and what we need to do in those environments as as we see weather changing. Uh, And a lot of people that aren't in our industry don't realize how much weather affects us. The other thing is pests and diseases. I mean, those are the two things uh, those two things are devastating both trees and plant material and part of that is because of the warming climates or different changes of the climates. So we need to be aware of those two factors right now because if you look at emerald ash borer, Asian longhorn beetle, these are just some in the tree industry that are devastating some of our forests and have caused some of the problems of the forest fires as it is because you got standing dead trees. We have to get in front of that. Uh, and those are two factors right now that are definitely causing uh, concern in our industry.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. You know, I often think about, uh, especially from the water uh, situation, the water standpoint, uh, the price of water is going only in one direction, and that's up. Right. And uh, the scarcity is getting, uh, it's getting uh, more scarce. So I think about that. And I think about 10 years from now, what this industry could look like uh if we don't handle it properly and what it will look like when we do handle it properly and there's a lot of incentive to do the right things it's sometimes hard to project five or ten years out i think that's a challenge for a lot of people uh, customers and some contractors but we really need to
1: well it, it seems like you know i know in florida we've used a lot of plant material that we're not native you know, so it was a demand for more water or it didn't, it wasn't uh, a good mix for the environment that it was in. So it created more disease. So it's also understanding where you live and and using plant material in that zone uh, and not necessarily bringing in other type of plant material that is not conducive for the growth in that area. And again, water is such a big factor in that and we're seeing that all over, it's affecting. I mean, I think Rich, I told you that, you know, our water bill in Florida is just astronomical. I can have a water bill at my home from anywhere from $250 to $500, according if I wanna irrigate or do any irrigation at all. So it's just the, the price of water and the demand of it is tremendous. So using the right material can help with that as well. And using the right, equipment and understanding what you can do is also important as well
0: yeah so so don i'm just curious uh certainly uh where i live in southern california my water bill is more than my electric bill now right and i conserve like crazy right now I, I do have a big uh big uh, uh, a larger property that uh, is irrigated and, and of course I'm really into gardening but uh, how about you you know is that a that a price that's equal to about the same or uh, as you're like you don't uh, know no
1: I mean I have just a normal home I don't have that much of a a, a big lot that uh, and I and if that's if I go to $500, that's just watering twice a week, maybe, or maybe once a week for a month. I mean, it can be crazy, but, you know, there's swimming pools that are here. I mean, there's a lot of demand on that. And, you know, the growth of Florida, we're still getting a 1,000 people a day plus coming into the state of Florida. So there's a tremendous need for water and growth in the, in, in, in South Florida. So it's just a big concern that we have, and we're trying to now take away uh, different plants not take away but not use certain plant material that was so demanding of water uh and, and be a little bit more of, uh, aware of the environment and what we can plant in and so also there's been in south florida there was a disease down here called white fly mm-hmm. and it just decimated you know the hedges that were here and the, and it just now we're not using those hedges anymore the ficus hedge and it just decimated them and so you can't get rid of it it, it you would spray it it would be okay for a while and then it come back. And so that was just crazy. So those are the kind of things of learning about pests and learning what you can do, so.
0: Yeah, so Don, we've got a viewer uh, asking this question now, coming in on the Q&A, and I just wanna remind everybody that if you do have questions, you can ask them either in the chat or the Q&A, and I'll pass them on to Don where appropriate. But uh, this person's wondering what the uh, biggest challenge So the industry is today, right, not an individual contractor, but the industry as a whole, what what are we facing? Labor.
1: Uh, Labor right now is the biggest challenge in the industry across the board. I am very fortunate to have been involved in both ISA, TCIA, and NALP, and I actually am serving on the foundation board for NALP, and workforce development is the biggest concern and issue right now in this industry. Uh, Trying to get more people involved in this industry, bring them in, get them excited about it, and let them know that there is an incredible uh, way of life and and, and you can make a great living into this industry that not everybody knows about it. Uh, And then also the next one is retention. Because Keeping the employee engaged and keeping them excited about what they're doing, uh, and showing them that there is a track of advancement and where they can go and where they might be able to go. Um, so retention, not only bring them in, but keeping them. Um, so that's a that to me is cross the board in both tree care industry, nursery, landscape, any of our industry in the green industry. That's what is affecting it right now. And what is happening is that you have other service industries, be it housekeeping, hospitals, being truck drivers, they're all after the same pool of people that are out there. So they are making it much more difficult for that to happen. And we have to become aggressive. Uh, and, and do something smart to be able to bring these people in. Because there's a lot of people that like to work outside. They like that instant gratification of seeing something get cut or seeing something plant and something grow. You just need that spark to be able to do it. And it really needs to happen earlier on than what we're doing now. So in, in junior high, high school, we need to start making people aware that there is, an app, there is an industry that they can get into and they don't necessarily have to go four years to
0: college. Yeah. So this is a head scratcher for my friends that aren't in the industry. And they say, man, I'm looking at these unemployment rates so high. How can you still have labor as an issue for landscape? Well, not
1: everybody wants to work outside. Yeah. You know, not everybody, like you said earlier, when you first came on, it's not easy, you know, to work outside in the heat and and, and it's always warm somewhere in the summer. And I just talked to a a young man today um, and he said, thank goodness the summer's over here in Florida. It's just been devastating. I mean, for us, our slow season, as far as cutting is twice a month. You know, we can cut four to five times a month, you know, in, in the growing season. And you can actually, you think you see the grass grow. That's how much it grows down here. So it's very demanding. And so- it's difficult for some people to be able to work in that environment. So you have to kind of show them all the different nuances of, you know, there are some seasons that are difficult, but there's also really good seasons that you can get a lot of work done. So it's letting people know that and not everybody wants to do that, or they don't even know that it's available.
0: Right. So, um, so what about some suggestions or ideas, or I know Davey does some uh, very interesting things for, Uh, attracting employees today. Can you share some of that? Well
1: one of the things that we and this is just in an experimental stage but we feel very uh, uh, honored that this was we were asked about this but we have a large account in New York called Woodlawn Cemetery and uh, Woodlawn is very innovative as far as doing some things um, you know trying to create some opportunities for inner city kids. And a few years ago, they got into uh, doing some work with granite and marble restoration uh, on some of the mausoleums at the, at the, at the uh, cemetery. Uh, and they were getting funded by the World Monument Foundation to be able to do this. Well, that has caught on and they're using inner city kids that the city of New York um, said they wanted to put a landscape school into Woodlawn, So they asked us if we would be, um, are willing to teach that landscape school. So right now we have 17 students uh, at Woodlawn being taught landscape principles uh, through NALP is also giving us the opportunity to be able to give them the certification exam for that to happen. Uh, but the city of New York is trying to get inner city kids, kids at risk, kids that don't have the opportunity to maybe see what an opportunity is to be able to have this job to be able to do that. So we're super excited. Of course, there's some quarantine situations that we have to do. We can only we have there's some virtual that has to be done off site that we're able to do that. We're, we're bringing them in one, one day a week to be able to work on the grounds in smaller groups. And so far it's going so good. But this is something that can be duplicated in other regions of the country where you go out and you have to go out and reach them. Uh, And some of the other things that not only us, but other people are doing is they're going into the middle schools and talking to kids about trees and talking to them about landscaping and talking to them. I don't know if you remember, but we used to bring in leaves when I was a kid in school. We would talk about that. That's not being done anymore, you know, and I think that those type of things is getting kids excited about outside, you know, there's. They, they can they can tell you logos better than they can tell you trees that's for sure
0: so yeah yeah unfortunately but uh yeah, yeah we're trained we're trying to change that that's the good news so, <laughs> exactly uh, and then the other you know another thing we did at uh, valley Crest is we'd always put a uh, booth uh, out at uh, uh talking about employment opportunities with valley Crest at, at soccer tournaments and things on the weekend and i know that was a great way to attract you know because some people are going to say, well, gee, I'm not, I'm not Davey. I can't really sponsor 17 students or, uh, you know, maybe I can go to a soccer tournament, though. Uh, you know, some, another thing you mentioned to me the other day was just like this um, mentoring relationship with people that you bring in. You want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, you 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 know you you spend some time with them and you listen to them, but you match them up with somebody. You match them up with somebody in the company that talks with them and gives them an idea that they feel like they belong. You don't just throw them onto a crew. And some of the things that we've realized is that you know if you have a younger person, you need to have two younger people on that crew so there's just some sort of relationship that they have. And of course, we're bringing more um, you know just more and more people into it. So you you want to bring people that have common traits. That they feel like they're comfortable and understand what their needs are and also understanding what their demands i mean obviously with covid there's some people that have child care needs at home that they have to get off early or work a staggered shift so you have to be understanding of what those needs are and once you do that then you can realize then they say gosh these people really want to work with us and so that's what we we try to do that as well but going to the associations going to the colleges but going also to Future Farmers of America, I mean, just some other groups and just talking to them. Those are great groups to go to as well.
0: Boy, you're, you're so right. And you know, I love what uh, Davey's doing with this Woodlawn program. I think it's so uh, helpful and uh, really community minded and oriented, I, I really do appreciate that. Uh, we've got one person asking, you know, is there a job portal or a website nationwide that people can look at for jobs in the landscape industry? and uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of one. Maybe you can. Yeah, NALP. Yeah. The National
1: Association of Landscape Professional lists they post jobs on there all over the country that people like our company or your company or whoever would put job postings in there and then they can go into that. But I would go into the NALP website and fish around in there a little bit. Um, all of all of the companies that are members and of course most landscape companies are members there, or a lot of them are, they, uh, they pay for that. They pay for these, they don't actually pay NALP, but that's part of your membership dues is to have that ability to be able to do that. So I would go to NALP or TCIA or ISA. I mean, it's according if you wanna go into tree care industry or if you wanna do landscaping, but all three of those associations have some areas there to look for jobs.
0: Yeah, that's great. And we had uh, Britt and Andy on last week uh, talking about uh, NALP and what they're doing. And what a great organization. The thing that uh, struck me was that they're uh, helping a million people in our industry right. on a regular basis. That That's that's phenomenal. Right. Yeah. Uh, Britt Wood, is that who you were, who yeah. you were talking about? Yeah, yeah
1: Britt is... Uh, He's a brilliant guy. He's new into the, uh, into NALP. He's got some really innovative thoughts and ideas and I really like working with him and he's really bringing them, uh, out, uh, you know, into the open and talking more about it, but they're a great organization. And, uh, if you're not a member, you need to be.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Dave is doing a lot for the communities. Davey's really helping out. I know you personally have been involved in, uh, few uh, projects too. One that was very significant to me and very impressive to me was your license plate program in the state of Florida. Could you kind of share with us what you did there and what happened? Uh, I think it's super motivating to hear about this and uh, uh, hopefully it'll uh, motivate some other people to take some action for conservation.
1: Well, one of the things that, you know, I I served on the ISA board at the state of Florida, and I happened to become president of the ISA here in Florida. Um, And we knew that there was a a Dr. Ed Gilman at the University of Florida was doing a lot of research on trees and post and and pre and post storm um, and how they were affected. Uh, And he'd been doing that for years and going out and doing lectures and just was internationally and nationally known, um, but he was going to retire. And we knew that he was going to retire, and we had a feeling that, that that program was going to go away. And so when we found out about it, we went to the school and we said, what can we do to endow his chair? How can we keep that position open and the research and how important it is? And they said, well, we probably need a couple of million dollars in, uh, you know, to be able to endow that chair to continue that on. Well, um, fortunately, you know, I was talking to some people and and I came up with an idea of doing a license plate uh, for the state of Florida. Florida has vanity license plates here. And we were uh, able to come up with a a plate called Trees are Cool. And that was about uh, 11 years ago. Um, And we just crossed over a million dollars that we've been able to give a, a, a great portion of that into the school. So we've now been able to secure that chair and be able to continue on with the research and development in that area that's so important for Florida at this time. So I'm very excited about that and uh, I have it on my car and um, it's just, it's 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 kind of a u- unique thing. It's one of those once in a lifetime situations that turns out really well.
0: Yeah, that's, that's fantastic, right? I always say, you know, we're plant blind or we're tree blind, we don't necessarily see them uh, or not everybody does this definitely raised the awareness. And uh, that was such a, uh, you know, trees are cool, you know, this uh, conservation's cool too. And, and so is giving. And So I, right. I really that. Um, <clears throat> so Don, uh, I know you're a big reader too. Uh, are there any books you're reading right now that you think uh, we should be reading about business or landscaping that uh, is going to help us uh, in, in our businesses?
1: Well, I read a lot of business books on a lot of kind of self-help and self-improvement and things that you, you know you're very aware of but sometimes you somebody needs to hit you in the head and say you know you need to do this but i I have a book right now and i don't know if you can see it but it's called the power of moments yeah and it's written by uh chip heath and dan heath they're two brothers and they were teachers and this the 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 how this book got started was that they were um they had been teaching, and they, I guess they were watching ESPN, and it was signing day for high schools, where they were getting ready to sign colleges, and this is the big promotion, as we all know, when these college recruits are coming out, and we're signing these Division I schools, and they made a a huge deal of this, and they were sitting there and said, why don't we do this for kids that necessarily aren't athletes, but they're going to college for the first time, so they went back to their school, and they created this signing day for kids, and it turned out to be a huge success. it's called the power of moments because they created a moment for that child or they created a moment for that family that we'll never forget. And another one of those stories in the book was something that I just, it will stay with me forever, but it was a story in a Ritz-Carlton and it was a young family that was staying at a Ritz-Carlton and they left. They had left and, and they were on vacation and when they left, one of the, uh, the young children left their giraffe there right and so that was the giraffe that they slept with every single night so they didn't realize it wasn't there until they got home and they were putting the child to bed and they never thought he was going to go to sleep or she or he was never going to go to sleep but what the father did is he made a story and he said listen Jeffrey was the name of the giraffe. Jeffrey has decided to stay a couple of extra days at the Ritz-Carlton and get some rest, right? So we're going to call him and they're going to take care of him and they'll send it. Well, fortunately, the child went to sleep. He called the Ritz-Carlton. Obviously, they found it. um, And obviously, being Ritz-Carlton, what they did is they took that giraffe and they took it to the spa and they put it on the spa with little, uh, little um, cucumbers on its eyes, and they took a picture of it. They put it with on a beach blanket with a drink with an umbrella, and they took a picture, and they sent a They sent this along to the father to show the child, Jeffrey's having a great time, but he's coming home soon. And they packed it all up and they sent it to the family. Now, what did that cost, Ritz Carlton? It cost them literally nothing. What, just the package and maybe a little bit of time, but that created a moment that that child will never forget. That family will never forget. And this book talks about those moments when you have the opportunity to create something. I mean, moments are obviously weddings and, The birth of your child or those type of things those are moments that you know are going to happen but there's other moments in people's lives that you can create that that you can have the opportunity and sometimes it's like two roads here i can do this it's like i know that someone for me did something did something for me and i never forgot it i was going to a toll booth and they paid my toll yeah and the person when i went up to the toll booth you know they said to me the person in front of you pay that they just said pass it along just pass it on forward those are the kind of things that just create moments now you can do that in your everyday life create a moment you look for that and create a moment so this is a great book that kind of helps you and talks about the importance about that so that's one on business yeah oh, sorry about and, that
0: and, 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 and i love it, that i love that too because you know you said what it costs the company I say it cost nothing because right. the employees probably loved it too, and it they bonded them even more to the Ritz-Carlton. Right, everybody was bonding there.
1: They had fun with it, you know. And then the next book that I'm reading, uh, I, I finished *Power to*. I've read that twice. I'm, I'm reading a book right now on John D. Rockefeller, and it's called *The Titan* which is an amazing book about a man and what he did, but also not only the success he had, but the difficulties he had after he got the success. Um, you know, it's a, it's, very, it's a big responsibility to have that kind of wealth and what to do with it. And it kind of goes into that of what he did and what he did to give back. And he was incredibly Philanthropic and that was that that's part of the book that I'm really into right now is he started hospitals He started universities and he really wanted to help people because he was given this Gift that he thinks was 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 this wealth that he wanted to give it back and it's that's another tremendous book But it's a long read, but it's a, it's well worth it to me So those are two books that if I was pushing anything right now. Those are the two books. I push
0: yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to read both of them. Uh, the Rockefeller book, I was fortunate enough to visit uh, Kaikwit, his yes. educational garden in the Hudson River Valley outside of New York City. Uh, what a beautiful place and love what they're doing there. So, Don, we're almost out of time here, but uh, I want to leave with uh, an action item for our contractors. So uh, if uh, when they sign off the talk today, what are a couple things or one thing they should absolutely be doing you know, this afternoon to help their business?
1: Well, I think, you know, as we talked about employees is definitely really important. I think they need to be talking and being out there with their employees and just having engagement conversations. I don't think they realize, maybe they do, and I don't want to say that people don't, but how important it is for that recognition of someone coming out and just asking them how they're doing. I mean, they could be having a difficult day There could be things going on at home that they just need to let that out. So that's very important. So talking to your employees, but I think also making a list of your customers that you haven't talked to in a while and just doing, just making a phone call. Uh, Don't have an agenda. I mean, there has, there doesn't have to be an agenda on that call. It's just, I want to catch up with you. You know, there's, there's some reason why you're working with them. There's a reason why they hired you. Let's find out what that is. And if you're doing that uh, and you're for fulfilling what their needs are. So those are two things that I think would be call your customers, take care of your employees um, and and just don't have an agenda. You don't always have to have an agenda that doesn't have to be something it'll come, people will come and express their their thoughts and, and how they're feeling to you. So those are the two things. If I could pass anything along, I think that's extremely important.
0: Yeah, I think that's great advice. and I know if any of uh, my vendors uh, reached out to me and did that this afternoon, you know, I would. I'd really appreciate it. And I'd have some things to discuss with them and I think it'd be uh, be beneficial. So I think that's great advice. And boy, uh, I think you're right. I don't think we can ever check in with our employees enough. And uh, that's another place where they really do appreciate that. They really do. And
1: I know that I was with a gentleman yesterday Um, a a customer and his employees had done something special uh, for this particular customer. And the customer made a big deal about it in the office. Well, they didn't get to see that they were out in the field and we were driving the property. And when I drove, when we drove up to the property, he got out of the vehicle and went over to those gentlemen and said, because of you, this is what happened. And I just want you to know they really did appreciate it. And you could just see the bounce in their step that the the present CEO of that company went out there to tell them that. Uh, you just don't realize how important that is.
0: Yeah, well, Don, thank you so much for taking time to be with us this afternoon. Uh, I've uh, always found your advice and uh, information to be interesting and very helpful. And it was great to be able to share it with our audience today as well. I know everybody's going to benefit from that. So thank you for for coming on and doing this and all of you that watch, thank you for coming on and spending a good portion of lunch hour with us again. uh, We we really do appreciate that. Um, So anyway, uh, Don, thanks again. Uh, Thank you you for watching and uh, we'll catch up with you guys Friday. We're going to be talking about, Uh, Jane Logic software and some new uh, uh, details and uh, features that we're going to be releasing in that software. And always remember, all these uh, webinars are available on our Jane website under Irrigation Training. And they're also podcasts now on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So again, thanks very much, everybody. And uh, hopefully we'll catch you on Friday. Thanks, Rich. Okay. Thank you, Don.